If you want to turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, and I'll be looking at this whole passage right in here, but Luke chapter 5, verse 8, it says, When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And we'll go ahead and pray one more time for the anointing of this word. Jesus, speak to us. Preach to us, God. We want to encounter you and connect with you. And be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 5, as it begins, Jesus is here and, and he's at Lake Gennesaret. And there was a couple ships there and they had been out fishing. And now they were washing their nets. And Jesus tells Peter, tells Simon... And he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. So Jesus gets up and he preaches. And he says, Hey, I want to use your boat. See, they had fished all night. And they were tired. But they went ahead and responded to God. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about worship. But here they went ahead and responded to God. And I want you to hold that in your heart and in your mind. Because worship and praise starts out with obedience. And you say, hey, what, what do you mean by obedience? We are commanded to worship. And we are commanded to love the Lord our God. We are also told not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And this portion of this service today is our worship service. And from the beginning of this service to the end of this service, from the prayer that goes forth, to when we pray with each of you and when you come up to pray, to the songs that we sing, and now to the preaching. It is all designed that together we would worship God. Can we just go ahead and lift up our voice for a minute and give Him a hand clap? Jesus, we worship You today. This is Your service. This is Your house. So we worship Him, and, and, and we call it the worship service. We call it the worship service. But really, we start out with things like praise, thanksgiving. And, and, and we begin to love Him and to, to tell Him how good He is. And we, we honor Him and, and we, we declare His good works and His glory. And we give Him praise. But praise by itself is just good words. It's acknowledging how great He is. If you can imagine with me, Jesus comes down and, and He's at the water there and, and, and He's teaching the people and um, Julie, you're over there and, and you're hearing it and you're like, well, that's great stuff. And it's so exciting. And so you run and you find a guy named Mac. I don't know if you know a Mac. But you go find him and you say, 
wow, that was some really great stuff that Jesus taught. And you even tell him a little bit about it. And then because you and Mac are married, you guys go home. And you live your life. And you look back and you remember that time. And you say, oh, that Jesus, he was a good teacher. And and a lady named Courtney stops by one day and you tell her all about it. You say, it was great. And Courtney says, that's awesome. I've heard about that guy named Jesus. But other than you giving praise because you talked about how good he was, you went on living your life. And we have a world that acknowledges Jesus. And they go on living their lives. And they live their lives whatever way that they want to live them. And it is not a godly lifestyle. When we look in the book of Isaiah, we see that Isaiah here uh, um, begins, Isaiah chapter, chapters 1 through 5, and then further on in Isaiah, you see lots of poetry. And, and what you see is, you would say that Isaiah chapter 6 is, man, this is where the call of the prophet went out, and when the calling went on his life. But that's not what Isaiah starts out writing. Isaiah starts out writing about the condition of Israel, and not just their present condition, but what's going to happen because of how they are spiritually. He writes ultimately about their destruction and the judgment that will fall, but when he looks at Israel, he lets us know that the ox knows its owner. He's comparing it to animals, and he says, the ox knows its owner, the donkey knows its master's crib, but Israel does not know My people doth not consider. Isaiah is being shown by God that this people live on corruption and wickedness and sin. And they they live how they want to live. And they don't know. Verse 4, he says, "A, a, A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Verse 21, I could select a lot of verses out of here, but it says, how is the faithful city become a harlot? It is full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Verse 23, the princesses are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and follows after rewards. And Isaiah goes on and he describes how the rich consume up land. How they buy more and more houses and more and more property and, and they get their things. And, and he talks about how they don't regard the widow and they don't regard the, the fatherless and the poor. And, and I read that and it just feels like our world. It really feels like our nation. And I see people, and, and I thought about you young people today uh, um, down in class there and, and teenagers... You go to school, right? How many teenagers are in school? Well, you know what? Don't, if one of you aren't in school, we don't want to know today in church. But uh, I'm, I know all of you are in school. And when you look around your hallways, some of you maybe know about furries. Anybody heard about a furry? Yeah, I thought that was the stuffed animal that maybe you had in your, in your bed or, or that little puppy dog. No, there's people who think of themselves as identifying as an animal of some kind. 
And you've heard the stories maybe about kitty litter boxes being pressed in school. And some of you might be doubtful, like, really, were they meaning that? Were they not? And, but there are people who want to identify as an animal, as a cat. And in our society today, that story might sound a little ridiculous to you, but it's pretty common. Just ask some of our teenagers. And ask them, like, like how the students will meow for each other when they're getting their awards. And, and I'm sorry, I'd be just a little too embarrassed to do that. But I see a society, and young people hear me, because you go to school and you see those that live a variety of lifestyles. And, and, and they will tell you, it's okay, and don't judge me, and, and it's okay to be this way, and you can do things your way, and, and, and yet they're not happy. And the schools are teaching the math, and the science, and the English, and maybe they have this program and that program. But when you look at the students and the problems in the hallway, and they're, they're, the things that they go through, are any of those classes helping them out because you learned algebra, did it make your friend happier? Because you, you learned how to write a good paper, did somebody's home life get better? Because you uh, uh, learned how to, to do the games in PE really well, team handball, I don't know what you guys play today, but that was a game we played. And, and just because you learned sports really well, did it stop the protests in this country? When you look, and a few years ago when we had a lot of protests and we had some downtown here, you would look across the politics and the politicians and you would say, is anything that they're doing helping us out? A new president will come to the, the lectern and he'll put his hand on a Bible and he'll promise to lead this nation and then he'll tell us all about these programs that he wants to do or that she wants to do we've never had a she but maybe we will and and they get up and they give the state of the union address and they give all these commitments and promises and yet you look and you say my nation is messed up more and more and so we got a couple things going here society and sciences and school and all that really don't solve the problem. Can I get a witness to that? And then you see a lot of people living a lot of sorts of different ways. And Bishop, you know what it is? They, over here, you come into this world, young people, hear me. You go to school and Bishop's not a furry, okay? He doesn't even have, he's losing some hair, but we won't tell him that. Only those in the back can see that. And, uh, but he comes over here and they want you to say it's okay. All right, you're over here and this is okay. And you say, well, that's not my thing, but you know what, that's your thing, that's so, all right. And then you come over here and someone says, hey, don't judge me for, for uh, the, the, what I do for drugs. Now, Sister Dana doesn't do drugs, okay, but she's just holding a place for me right here. And, and they're like, don't judge me because I just want to live this way. And, and you young people are pressured and you feel like, okay, okay. And society, we get a mindset that, that when we're in that world, we don't really think so badly about it. And adults, you might think this is slightly foreign to you, but the TV shows you watch want you to say, it's okay. And, and the, the things that you hear and what you see at the stores, they want you to think it's okay. And, and you know what? Maybe that's fine. And, but the world is filled with chaos, and they're miserable, and nothing's improving. 
And your politicians aren't going to help it out. And the programs you learn in school and the classes aren't solving the problem. And the medication that you get at the pharmacy and at Walgreens isn't doing it. And you go to the doctor and pretty soon you're on 35 medications and they're miserable. And you grow your hair down to here on one side and you cut it over here and you dye it purple and green and yet somebody commits suicide. Why? They're so unhappy. And they're a nation that's devoid and corrupt and and the rich own everything. This is our nation striving after the almighty dollar casting morals to the side and they think it's going to solve a problem but only what it did is made lives worse. Made lives worse. And Isaiah sees his nation corrupt. Israel chased after this God and that God. And you know what Israel, one of the things they got going on? God was just another quote little God next to anything else out there. It's not that they got rid of God completely. But do you know when you make God the same as everything else, you've rejected God? This isn't like friendships. Teens, hear me today. Living for God is not like a friendship. There is nobody else his equal. You can't say, well, Tom and Bill and Jesus. No. It's either Jesus or it's nothing. Now, Jesus isn't going to disappear off the scene. Because he's God. He always was God. He is God. And he always will be God. But you're missing out on a whole lot by discounting him. Mm. And the world doesn't seem to know him. This was the situation in Israel, in the nation. And Isaiah saw their condition. He saw their corruption. And then he saw what it was going to lead to. And their utter destruction. And the nation that would be ravaged. And he looked at all that. And he saw it. And he saw what was coming. And he pronounced it over him. And he sees it. And that's how he introduces the book. And then as the book unfolds, we come to chapter 6. Why? Because in Isaiah chapter 6, what do we see? In the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Oh, what he saw is he got into the presence of God. And he got into the house of God. And then something opened to him. And when it opened up and heaven opened up, he saw the royal throne room. And he saw Jesus. And and he didn't know him as Jesus at the time. But he saw God high and lifted up. And everything in his country, his nation, the king had just died. He would have been beside himself. He's like, what's going on around here? And then he saw God. And there's something 
so important about this scene. I know you've heard it preached from, some of you have heard it preached from many different times. Some of you, it's, this is brand new today. But this passage is gripping because it is the encounter of a man with God. And suddenly everything changes. Oh, he saw the wickedness. He saw the corruption. He saw that the king had died. He's introducing us to the condition. And yet in the middle of all this, he sees God high and lifted up. And it's glorious. It's awesome. It's mighty. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And what does Isaiah respond with when he sees it? Then I said, then said I, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. A man of unclean lips. Do you know what Isaiah understood there that day? We just talked about school. We just talked about our world's condition. And everybody wants you to think. Well, I've got my little absolute over here. And I have my little absolute over here. And I have my absolute over here. And you're supposed to say, and they call it my truth. And they say, well, thank you for sharing my tr your truth with me today. That was really great to hear your truth. And I so enjoyed your truth. Has anybody heard this? Yeah. And, and your truth, that was so, oh, that broke my heart. And you think I'm making a little bit of mockery. Do you know what I want you to understand today? They're in miserable conditions. They're suffering. And it, their truth isn't solving the problem. They're, they're suffering. And you, and, and I'm going to call out you teens again today. Hear me, young people. You see the condition more than anybody else out there. And they're miserable. And, some, and you're going to see some of your friends commit suicide. God, I hope not. But you'll see people you knew. You'll hear about it. I think I had at least four when I was in school. And I graduated in a class of 50. And that was just in the surrounding grades around me. So out of 200. Hear me. If we had 100 people lined up. If I had four out of 200. That would be... Uh, um, well, see if I can do math, right? That'd be two. If we had a hundred people, two of those people would die. Now, isn't that extraordinary? Would you want that to be your loved one? But you have encountered something that's a greater absolute. And you can solve the problem. You can change things. You and I can do something about it because we have an absolute and it's high and lifted up. It's above everything else. He is above everything else. Give him a hand clap. Oh, see the condition. Understand it. Know it. And then get into the presence of of God because getting into the presence of God isn't just about saying you're a great God oh that's just like I'm sorry I don't want to denigrate our praise but if you only stop at he's a great God and then you come back over here and you just accept this situation and don't see a hope for it you're making it equal to your praise when you don't understand that it isn't just my truth and my truth and my truth, but that there's suffering and that there is a truth above every truth. It's the truth. And they need it. 
Otherwise, when you come in and you just praise God and you say, well, wasn't that a great conference or wasn't that a great church service and didn't he preach the house down? That's praise. Because worship changes you. Oh, hear me, my children, hear me. Hear me, young people. Hear me, youth. Hear me, adults. And Oh, hear me, Sunday school kids. You see, the children of Israel met God in the desert. And then they wanted Moses to go to God. Wow, we acknowledge him. He's great. Can you go to God for us? They had opportunity. And they needed somebody between them. You see, I love my bishop. But it's easy for you to say, well, bishop, I need you to stand between me and God. Because if I get too close, I've got to change. Something's pulled on me. Something calls on me. And you begin to feel it. And you want to button up that coat just a little bit more. And you step back and you say, oh, that was great, church. And he says, I want to hear about your life. And you feel that tug. And you say, oh, not ready for that yet. But Isaiah got in the presence of God. And suddenly, he didn't tell us about the world around him. Instead, he said, woe is me. I'm of unclean lips. Oh, but he didn't walk out. Instead, a seraphim came with a coal from the fire and touched his lips. And he was cleansed. Oh, give him a hand clap. You see, he got into the presence of God. And when you get into the presence of God and you legit encounter it, do not walk out. Everything changes. And I know that week in and week out, some of you have gone through great sorrow and great hardship. And things that you don't understand and some of you are angry with God or have been. And I get that. And I know that coming in sometimes just giving praise is difficult. And we call it the worship service because it's a structured service to help bring you closer to God. I look forward to church, by the way. I look forward to our worship service. And great job, uh, um, music team. Thank you so much for your hardcore preparation and your sensitivity to God. I look forward to it. But we begin to usher into the presence of, of Jesus and we begin to praise him. Go ahead and do it. We call it the sacrifice of praise. And, and I know that that sacrifice of praise is, is going back to the Old Testament and showing, hey, how they would offer up animals and all that. We're now offering up praise. And, and it's one aspect. But we have another definition for sacrifice. And that is when it's really hard to do. And you can connect that back to the Old Testament because something died. And sometimes when you come into church, it's just really hard. And I guess I'm just being honest. Please don't get... Anybody ever felt hard? Like, and you come, praise him anyways. Because you'll begin to feel him. Lift up your voice. And you know what praise also is and worship also is? It's saying I need you. It's been really hard. Because you're entrusting him with your struggle. You're saying I can't do this. Go ahead and tell him that. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. 
And you're going to begin to enter into His presence. And you're going to encounter Him. And He's going to begin to want to change you. Oh, because when you encounter the presence of God, His revealed presence, everything changes. Look, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It was like a desert place. But then God began to move. The Spirit of God moved and hovered and moved over the face of the waters. And creation happened. Oh, everything changes in the presence of God. Oh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Oh, they had been praying. They had been talking about the good things of God. But when God began to move, oh, everything changed. And the Spirit of God was poured out. Oh, when you look in the book of Revelation, you see John there on the island. And he's been having talking to God and, and everything. But when he encountered Jesus, he, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Why? It's like Isaiah. When you encounter God, not just him kind of closed off over here and you're like, that was great teaching. But you begin to get into his glory. Oh, when... Hear me, when you begin to get into a place of worship, oh, you're encountering Him, and you must be changed because God is moving. God is moving. Worship. Worship, what is it? It's, it's like John on the Isle of Patmos. It's that word is to lay prostrate before God. Now, I'm not asking you for every one of you to lay out on the floor today. But in your heart, I see Thomas when he came and he said, my Lord and my God. And when he fell out, what was he saying? Oh, my God. He's fallen before him. He's fallen in worship. He's seeing him. He's encountering Jesus in a new, great way. A revelation. A revelation. So, Isaiah when he encountered God, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And we opened with Peter here today. And Peter heard Jesus preached. And he obeyed and he led him in his boat. Obedience. And then he heard the message. And Julie, it would have been just like you, he could have gone home. And he said, a guy got in my boat today, and he preached, and it really was something special. And he'd be given praise to Jesus. But his obedience led him to put his boat out into the water. And when he put his boat out into the water, God began to touch him in his life. And you say, okay, yeah, he gave him a bunch of fish. Understand, God reached in, and he forgave your sin. God reached in and he healed your body. God reached in and he let you see him just like Isaiah saw him. You got a glimpse of his glory. And in that moment of those fish flooding into that net, Peter had fished all night. 
he hadn't caught anything. He's like, it doesn't work this way. And Jesus said, cast out. And the net was filled. And obedience led him to see the glory of God. Your obedience will give you an encounter with Jesus Christ. Oh, when you begin to obey Him and say, okay, that's what the preached word said. When you obey Him and you come to church and you just begin to lift Him up, you will encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. And His obedience, He had an encounter with Jesus. And His response, His response when He encountered the Lord, He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He's like, I can't be in your presence. That reminds me of Isaiah and the coal. But I'm going to be bringing this to the close just real shortly here. Because Jesus reached in, and Sister Dana, he reached in, and we talked about your truth and your truth and your truth. But Jesus came in, and he began to touch. And he reached in, and he said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm calling you to reach people. And you know what happened with Isaiah when he encountered God? When the coal touched his lips, he wanted to go. He was, okay, you can send me, Jesus. And the very next book, you don't just see the very next chapter. You don't just see Isaiah talking about the condition of Israel. But you see God saying, all right, Isaiah, I've given you a word. Go talk to the king. And then when he talks to the king, he says, ask for a sign. And, and what's that sign? Oh, what does he tell him about? But a child that's going to be born. Therefore the Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. You see what happened? Out of a world that was corrupt. An Israel that was falling apart. God said, but I'm going to come. I'm going to save them. I'm going to deliver them. That's what happened when God steps on the scene. And so, bring this all together here. When you get into the presence of Jesus Christ, everything, if you will enter into the worship and you will begin to worship him, and could we stand to our feet? When you begin to worship him, if you're truly going to worship him, if you're going, when you encounter Jesus, you can either praise him and walk away or you can say, God, here I am. And I want you to change me. Because when you get into his presence and you begin to see him, don't be afraid. You're going to want to change. You're going to want to change your life and your condition. And then you know what you're going to want to do? Go change somebody else. You're going to become a fisher of men. And you're going to reach people. And you say, I can't do that. Just get into the presence of Jesus. Oh, just get into his presence. And begin to tell him his worth. And part of saying his worth is saying, okay, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't belong here. Oh, I need you to clean me. Oh, look at my world. Look at the condition. Send me. I'll go. I just want to know throughout this audience who's willing to worship him today. I I really want you to 
close your eyes and if we could do that together. your eyes closed, just tip that face up. Raise your hands and begin to whisper, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus.